Have you ever seen a house being built? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever built a house? Who's ever built a house? Yeah. So how many knows that even with where we're here right now, the importance of a, of a good foundation cannot be understated? Um, it doesn't matter how pretty the house is. You can live in the most beautiful house with the finest of everything inside of it. But if you don't have a solid foundation and sturdy materials to build it, then the house is not going to last. I want to read to you a variation of a, of a familiar story that, um, that's going to kick off this message here today. It's the story of the three little pigs. Once there was a mother pig who had three little pigs. She didn't have enough to keep them, so she sent them out to seek their fortunes. And the first little pig had not gone far when he met a man with a bundle of straw. The little pig said to him, please give me, man, that straw so that I can build a house. And the man did. And soon the little pig had built a house with it. Just after the house was built, along came a wolf and he, locked, and he knocked at the door of the little pig's house and, and called out, little pig, little pig, let me come in. But the little pig answered, no, no, not by the hair of my... Oh, you know it. Then the wolf said, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. So he huffed and he puffed until he blew the house in and he ate up that little pig. I'm going to eat some pig tomorrow, by the way. It's a different story. The second little pig had not gone far from when he met, he had, had not got far when he met the man carrying a bundle of sticks on his shoulder. The little man said to him, please, man, give me those sticks to build me a house. And the man did. And soon the little pig had built a house with him. And just after the house was built, along came a wolf. He knocked at the door of the little pig's house and said, little pig, little pig, let me come in. But the little pig answered, no, 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 not by the hair of my... You getting it? Then the wolf said, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. And so he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house in and ate that little pig up. Third little pig met a man with a load of bricks. The little pig said to him, please give me, man, those bricks so, so I can build a house. And the man did. And soon the little pig had built a house with him. And just after the house was built, along came the wolf. And he knocked at the door of the little pig's house and said, little pig, little pig, let me come in. But the little pig answered, no, no, not by the hair of my... And then the wolf said, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. And so the wolf huffed and he puffed and he puffed and he huffed and he huffed and he puffed. But he couldn't blow this third little pig's house down. When the little pig heard the wolf on the roof of his house and saw what he was about to do, he made a blazing fire in his fireplace, filled a big pot with water and hung it over the fire. And just as the wolf was coming down the chimney, the little pig lifted the lid off the big pot of boiling water and in fell the wolf. And then the little pig quickly popped on the cover again, and he had wolf for supper. And that is how it came about that this little pig lived happily in the snug little brick house ever after. Now, we all know this familiar nursery rhyme, don't we? But as I reflect on this story this morning, did you know that Jesus told a parable that was somewhat like it long time before the three little pigs came along? It's found in Matthew chapter 7. And I want to read this to you starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man 
who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. A great crash. So here Jesus is telling a short and important parable in which the characters are two builders who construct similar buildings with different results. In this parable, Jesus is quite clear about the foundation of each of the buildings and makes the foundations of each of the buildings the focus, in fact, of the parable. So remember, if you remember, Jesus was a carpenter by trade. I love that. He knew about construction. He knew about brick and mortar and wood and tools and everything needed to build a house. He was an expert. So this is not only Jesus, the Son of God, that is giving us this passage, but it's also Jesus, the experienced carpenter, giving us this, this passage, this parable, this story. Because the foundation matters. I'll say it again. The foundation matters. Jesus said that anyone who builds their house must first put it on some kind of foundation. So Jesus tells a parable about two builders. One chooses a solid foundation, the other a soft foundation. The parable is not really difficult to understand. The building principle is that if you build your structure on a solid foundation, it will weather the storms. And if the foundation is upon something uncertain, the storms will surely get the better of that structure. So Jesus is telling us the building principles apply not only when the building a structure such as a house, but also about our lives, about our families, about our careers, about our businesses, about our society, and it be him. Pretty clear. The foundation needs to be faith in Jesus Christ. The foundation needs to be faith in his words, faith in his promises, faith in his authority, faith in his finished work, faith in his lordship and kingship over all creation. It's putting into practice the way of life described in our instruction manual for life. That that you're holding in your hands today, the Bible, is your instruction manual. It's not just mouthing it. It's not just faking it. It's not just getting around it. But it's actually, as Jesus said, putting it into practice. Those that put this into practice. You can understand God's word. You can even agree with God's word today. But if you're not putting it into practice in every area of your life, you're not building a solid foundation. That's what he's saying. So a positive change and a, and a positive outlook, a healing time for our nation begins with putting God first in our homes and in our families. Did you know that the family unit is the most crucial aspect of a solid and healthy nation? A healthy family unit lends and tends to a healthy nation. Did you know that? We need to let Jesus be the solid foundation upon which our family and our nation is built. That's what, that's what this parable is saying. As it goes for the basic unit of society, which is the family, so it goes for the whole nation. And I'm so thankful today that as a church, that we can make a difference for our nation. Did you know that you can make a difference for your nation? Do you care that you can make a difference for your nation? Do you see that we need to make a difference for our nation? Yeah. We can be a part of the solution to the ails, to the ills of what's going on in our nation and not part of the problem. We can contribute to the solution and not contribute to the problem. We can see this nation turn around and the Lord knows it needs to be turned around. Amen? It starts with us as individuals putting God first again and letting Him be our foundation. So today, I want us to look at the foundation of our families and our country. Both of these foundations must be anchored in God. And in faith 
in Jesus Christ alone. It's only a foundation in Christ that's going to allow our families and our nation to outlast the storms of life and in this world that are swirling all around us. So I want you to think about our nation for just a moment in three phases. And you can also look at our families in this way too. Three phases of construction. I ask you if you've ever built a house, ever seen a house built, you know how that works. There's phases. You've got to start with the foundation and then you build it from there. And I think that we see these phases of our nation, we're also going to see the phases in the families of our nation. So I want you to remember that our nation and our families are tied together intricately. So here's phase one. Let's remember our foundations. The Bible says in Psalm 33, 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. From the very beginning of this nation's founding, our nation has had a solid foundation. And this is good news. I'll say it again. Our nation has been built upon a solid foundation. We're a unique nation in that our nation was built upon the principles of God's word. Individuals like George Washington and John Adams honored God and revered biblical principles. Many of the founding fathers were Christians. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but of the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, nearly half of them held seminary or Bible school degrees. That's significant because they were able to speak into the crafting of this document that we hold so dear. I want you to think about it. Nearly half of the signers had degrees in the Bible. They knew what the Bible said and wrote the founding documents and instilled the biblical principles into them from God's word. That's a solid foundation. They were unapologetic about their faith in God and it provided our country with a solid foundation. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Our first president, George Washington, said this, and I quote, While we are zealously performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion, to the distinguished character of patriot. It should also be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. Do I love America? Yes, I do. Do I love Jesus? Yes, I do. To have those together, I think, is a very powerful combination. Our second president, John Adams, said, and I quote, Suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book, and every member should regulate his conduct to the precepts there exhibited. Every member would be obliged in conscience, to temperance, frugality, and industry, to justice, kindness, and charity towards his fellow men, and to have piety, love, and reverence toward Almighty God. What a utopia, what a paradise would this region be? Our fifth president, James Monroe, said, and I quote, when we, review, when we view the blessings with which our country has been favored, those which we now enjoy, and the means which we possess of handing them down unimpaired to our latest posterity, our attention is irresistibly drawn to the source from which they flow. Let us then unite in offering our most grateful acknowledgments for these blessings to the divine author of all good. Patrick Henry, the first governor of Virginia, and also the guy who said, the British are coming, the British are coming. <laughs> yeah. He, he was the one that stood up 
when, when it was all said and done for God's purposes, and he also said this, and I quote, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Oh, I love that. Not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, people of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship right here. That's powerful. The foundation of our country is one that we can be proud of and thankful for. Our nation was established with, with a belief in God. We were established with a belief in freedom and in the rights of the individual. I'm not sure if this is taught anymore in schools. I hope that it is. But if it's not, hear me today, those of you who are still in school, parents who have kids in school, make sure that they understand this. I know the history has been rewritten in a lot of different ways to try to scrub out God. But you've got to know this, that this nation was built upon a solid foundation of a Christian nation with a belief in God and the belief in God's word and a solid foundation of biblical principles. Yeah, we've stumbled along the way, certainly. But the foundation created in the Constitution rests on godly principles, and we should never, ever forget that. So then, that's phase one. And thank God for the solid foundation, amen? amen. Phase two, realizing our cracks. Hmm. As a home gets older, the ground begins to settle beneath it. Telltale signs begin to appear in the home, cracks in the walls, doors harder to close because they're not quite square anymore. Structural issues due to termites and wood rot, erosion and neglect start taking place in a home that has been around for a while. Though the foundation of this nation was solid at one point, some cracks have begun to form as this nation has grown older and time has moved on. The United States of America began as a God-fearing people desiring religious freedoms. Did you know that Maryland was founded as a haven for Catholics in the New World? Did you know that? Did you know that Rhode Island was founded on the principles of religious freedom to the point that its nickname used to be in early days, Rogue Island? Did you know that William Penn, who was a Quaker, founded Pennsylvania in 1681 on the principles of religious convictions? That was how our nation started. But now we look at our nation and the cracks that are in the foundation appear in certain and various ways, such as a person cannot talk about God for fear that somebody somewhere might be offended. A student is told not to pray in school because it's offensive and oppressive. The Ten Commandments are removed from justice buildings. Under God has been challenged in being present in the Pledge of Allegiance. Christian backgrounds of politicians are a hindrance rather than a positive aspect. Nativity scenes are removed from town squares. Christmas and Easter school breaks are now called winter and spring breaks. Good Friday is now a teacher workday rather than a holiday. And on and on it goes. There's a lot of cracks in the foundation. All these cracks have appeared in these last couple of 250 years or so. And just as in a, as a, as in a house we get used to some of these cracks... And the door sticking and stuff that becomes really, in our eyes, invisible to us. And we just tend to adjust to this new normal. So our nation has slid into the same thing morally. We just 
consider these, this list and the list goes a mile long as something that is just normal. It's just what happens. Hey, it's our nation now. It doesn't have to be our nation now. It doesn't have to be our nation going forward. It doesn't have to be something that we get used to. In your house, in this church, in any place, if you're around it long enough, you're going to, the cracks in the wall are going to become invisible. The stain on the carpet is going to become invisible. That, that particular thing that you've seen that at first bothered you becomes something that you don't even see anymore. Right? You know what I'm talking about. That's why you have to have somebody coming in and checking things out. Our moral standards, American values, biblical principles, and elements of common sense are starting to fade away. Our world is different, and we are becoming a different nation. And I frankly don't like it, and I'm not going to just stand here and just accept it. How about you? Judges 21-25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Think about that. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. No king of Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own, in his own eyes. The word relativism comes to mind when I read that. It's not a new thing. This took place way back then and it's gone on throughout the ages. But we're here now. The word relative is an accurate reflection of those people then in Judges 21 and of our nation today. Relativism means that you can do what you want and believe what you want and it must be respected and no one is supposed to judge if you are right or wrong. Relativism means that 2 plus 2 equals 4 and also 2 plus 2 equals 5. It means a person can go in any direction and right or wrong are not absolute. It means such things as now a man can become pregnant. News to me. And anyone can marry anyone or anything. Don't be surprised if it's legal now down the road to, to marry a tree or to marry whatever. I mean, if marriage has been redefined a few years ago, then what's to stop it? Pandora's box has been opened. Relativism says that whatever you think is fine... And the toll that this is having on our families and our nation cannot be underestimated. Because our nation is moving away from our belief in God and its commitment to Christian principles. Major cracks have formed in the foundation of our country. We've seen it change drastically just in our lifetimes, haven't we? Many things we would have thought would never see the light of day are now celebrated openly and proudly. You can see the cracks in our nation in the TV programs, you can hear it in the music on the radio. You can read about it online and in social media. You can see it in our schools. You can see it in the governance of our nation. You can see it in how we treat one another on a daily basis. But there's hope. Ah, there's hope. Folks, there's always hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. How many believes in the hope that you have in Jesus Christ? How many believes that our nation is not too far gone that God can redeem it? Amen. So let's look at phase three. We know we have a solid foundation that this nation was built upon. And really our, our families were built upon a solid foundation too when you think about it. We, we went in just wide-eyed and loving our spouses and then, you know, trusting in God, standing before the Lord and saying, I vow, I commit, I make these vows to you in front of all these witnesses and in front of you too, God, that I will love and honor and cherish and obey and respect and all that. Solid foundation. 
After a while, cracks begin to form, don't they? You'll be in this slide. I know some of us are getting ready to get married here, maybe in the next few months. Listen to me. It's a good solid foundation that we would have. But if you're not careful, the cracks will begin to form through neglect, through compromise, through, through just a settling of just getting used to things and it being okay. There's cracks in our nation. There's cracks in our marriage. But there's always hope in Jesus. Let's look at phase three. And let's move towards turning this message to the hope that we have. And not just walk out of here in despair. Amen? <laughs> restore. Let's, let, let's talk about how we can restore our nation and our families. Let's see what does God's word say about that. We're at a point now in the United States that we see major cracks showing up in our foundation. Our foundation. I think you would agree with that. <clears throat> I think you would agree that we know that we're not who we once were. Our nation is suffering morally. Our nation is suffering ethically. Our nation is suffering at its core and of people of faith, and we all see it. When you go to sell your house, as I mentioned earlier, there's always this inspection. How many have sold your house in the last, you know, five or ten years, and you have someone come, and part of the process is you got to get it inspected. You know what I'm talking about? And remember those things that you got used to? Guess what the inspector comes and does? He finds them all, man. And you're, you're, you're looking at that list that he provides for you. And you look at it and you say, I'm just surprised this house is even holding up. That it just didn't collapse on top of me. How in the world could it have so many problems? It's just because we get used to it. But the inspector comes in and says, yeah, this needs to be fixed. <laughs> oh, I hate it too because the inspector, once he says you got to fix them, then the buyer has some, something to negotiate and says, yeah, you better get it fixed or I'm not buying it. It's like, ah. All right, so we need to get it fixed. It's time for our family. And it's time for a national inspection by the master builder inspector. Lord, we call upon you to come and inspect what's going on. And this is where we then turn our hearts. It's a very familiar passage that I think you all would even be able to say without even looking it up in 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, if my people which are called by my name. That's us, by the way, Christians. If my people, which are called by my name, will... What? What? Say it again. Oh, that's important right there. Oh, that's so important. Because you got to humble yourself before you can pray. That's the order of it. You humble yourself and pray, and then seek my face, and then what? Turn from your wicked ways. See the process? There's a step-by-step -step process there. And then, as a result of that, he's going to hear from heaven... He's going to forgive our sins. He's going to heal our land. This was a promise that was made to those back then, but it's also a promise made to us today. That promise is not just, uh, that's not just for those in Israel. That's not just God's chosen people. That's for any nation, any people that would do this as they realize they're in a situation like we're in. When cracks appear in a nation and the foundation begins to crumble, God is simply saying that if we humble ourselves and pray and diligently cry out to him, it's only God that can inspect our foundations and remedy them. It's only God that can heal our land and restore us back to him. He has and always will have a successful heavenly restoration business. God restores if we humbly admit only he can do it. 
say that again. God can restore this nation. God can restore your family if you simply humble yourself and say, Lord, I can't do this. I can't. In fact, I'm the one that's made a mess of it. I'm the one that's contributed to the cracks. But if I humble myself and acknowledge that you're the one and only you're the one that can do it, then do it. And that way, I'm not going to take credit for it later. See, see what I did? No, you didn't do nothing. You made the mess. I made the mess. It's Jesus that brings the restoration. Amen? It's God that brings the, the wholeness and, the, and the, the sealing of the cracks and the strengthening of the foundation again. We acknowledge those cracks. In other words, we confess our sins. We turn from our wicked ways and do the things that will restore us back to Him. We've got to do our part before He can do His. If my people which are called by my name will what? And what? And pray and then turn from their wicked ways. There's three things there, right? We got to do these things. We do our part. We just kind of walk around stubborn and say, I, I think I got this. Or I'll do it later. Or I'll do it part ways. How many would like to just have a half of the foundation fixed? If 100% if of your foundation is messed up, I mean, I, wh wh why do you just choose half of it? Just, just fix this quadrant right here, God, while the rest of the house collapses? That's foolish. Think about it. If the rest of the house collapses, you know what's going to happen. So is the other part. All of it's going to go down. It's either be all or nothing here. Lord, take my foundation, seal up the cracks, shore it up with them jacks that go underneath it. Whatever you got to do to fix it. <clears throat> we read something in 2 Kings chapter 17 that <clears throat> really interestingly, it's really not a whole lot of fanfare. Usually there's some sort of big drum roll. <clears throat> there's some sort of... Um, big build up to it but in 2nd Kings chapter 17 God dismisses his chosen people Israel after many years of them turning away from him they kept doing evil in the eyes of the Lord for really hundreds of years they just kept turning from him if you read in 1st and 2nd Kings there's these people that some kings will do evil in the sight of the Lord and some will do good in the sight of the Lord, right? So these, these kings that go back and forth. <clears throat> so it was at that point where there's a lot of evil kings doing a lot of evil things and leading the nation into a cracked and corroded and corrupted and crumbling foundation. And God finally said, that's it. That's it. And so finally we see, and we're gonna, I'm going to read this passage to you. <clears throat> As they kept doing evil in the eyes of the Lord, the northern nation of Israel, see, it was the northern nation of Israel and the southern nation of Judah. They were kind of split up. Israel became no more. Israel became, became absorbed into the people. They became assimilated into other nations. They were gone. Second kings, gone. Only the southern tribe of Judah survived. And by the way, just for the time being, because they didn't survive long. Because they did the same thing. 2 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 7. Let me just read to you this and see if maybe there's some correlations between what I'm reading here and what's going on in our nation today. All this took place, in other words, the absorption into the other nations, the, um, the disappearing of the nation of Israel. <clears throat> All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of Egypt. We were brought up out of England. 
from under the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. We were brought out from under the king of England. We wanted freedom to worship. They worshiped other gods and followed the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them. Aren't we doing the same thing? As well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced. So the leaders of this nation that have condoned the evil and they're bringing it even today. The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. You see that? We know that that's happening. Is there any secret sins that you all have? That this church has? That the nation has? You betcha. The church of Jesus Christ. If we were to take a truth pill, I would guarantee you that a lot of people in a lot of different churches have secret sins that are going right now. Pornography, adultery, lust, all the different things that are... Mis money mismanagement, you're, you're stealing from your bosses. There's some secret sins that are going on right now in the church, with the body of Christ. That should not be. The Israelites secreted, secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. From the watchtower to fortified city, they built themselves up high places. Those high places, by the way, are where they worship false gods. They were really just <clears throat> monuments or altars to false gods. Are we doing that today? I don't see any altars anywhere out there, but you can call it the internet, you can call it the music, and you can call it the TV, and you can call it a political party, and you can call it whatever you want to call it. There's idols all out there that we set up and worship continually. Sometimes it's as easy as a click of a mouse. And they were in all of their towns, not just a few but it was permeated throughout the nation. They set up sacred stones and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. <laughs> they just had it covered. It was just saturated. These, 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 these false altars to false gods. At every high place they burned incense as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that aroused the Lord's anger. They worshipped idols, though the Lord had said, you shall not do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all of his prophets and seers over and over again, over and over again. It wasn't just a warning. It was warnings throughout the decades, throughout the generations, throughout the hundreds of years. The prophet says, stop sinning. Stop doing that. Turn back to God. Repent. And they ignored them. The prophet said, turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey and that I'll deliver to you through my servants, the prophets. But they wouldn't listen. They were as stiff-necked as their ancestors who did not trust the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors and the statutes that he had warned them to keep. In other words, they ignored the cracks in their foundation. Just ignore them. They're there, but who cares? As long as I can get my piece of the pie, as long as I can get my fix, as long as I can enjoy life, as long as I can just coast on out here and just do my thing, who cares that the world is falling apart around me? They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. Wow. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. Church. We are imitating the world today, just like back then with these people. 
There's too much of the world coming into the church and not enough of the church going into the world. There's too much of the world infecting and changing the church and not enough of the church infecting and changing the world. It's time for us to do the shift, folks. They forsook all the commands of the Lord their God and made for themselves two idols cast in the shape of calves and an Asherah pole. They bowed down to all the starry host and they worshiped Baal. They sacrificed their sons and daughters in the fire. Abortion, anybody? The sexual dysfunction of the kids and that gender confusion that's going on right now. There's so much sacrifice that's going on of our kids right now. It's happening right before our eyes. They practiced divination and sought omens and sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah was left. It may seem like that God was being impatient or cruel. He was extremely patient. This was the culmination of hundreds of years. If God removed his hand of blessing from his chosen people back then and allowed calamities to befall them, who do we think that we are that he would overlook our evil and rebellion? He's a just God. He's no respecter of persons. In order for us to restore our nation, we must repent. The picture we get in this is that God is just waiting for us to act. He's ready to come to our aid and rescue and restore only if we will ask him. He's ready to rebuild the foundations. He's ready to repair the breaches. He's ready to fill in the cracks. And he's ready to make sound and sure again what once was a solid foundation for your family and for this nation. Second Chronicles 7.14 is quite clear about our response in restoring our nation and our families. We must humble ourselves before Almighty God because only he can do it. We acknowledge that only he can do it. We pray earnestly, earnestly for his mercy and for his forgiveness. Amen? And seek his direction to rebuild a solid foundation of holiness and righteousness and purity in him. Second Chronicles 7.14 is also very clear about God. In response, he promises that he's going to hear us. That he will forgive us and that he will heal our land. He'll rebuild, rebuild our foundations to make them solid in him once again. We do our part and he'll do his part. And there's only one that can do it is him. The only one that can do it is him. God help us. I want to close with this. <clears throat> I want to look at our family foundation for just one minute. Look at our families for just a second. The basic societal unit is the family. And as the family goes, so goes a nation. The U.S. census occurs every 10 years in this nation. And it's pretty accurately given us some data concerning the changes and some stable elements in the American families over the years. Historically. Families have accounted for the majority of all households. But that picture has changed significantly over the last 70 to 80 years. In many of your lifetimes, you've seen this happen. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, in the 1940s, the percentage of households in the U.S. fitting the definition of a traditional family. Now, the definition of a traditional family is this, just so you'll understand what they were going for, because it's different now. Back then, and really today, this is still the traditional family definition. One husband, and by the way, I need to just even define it even more clearly, a man. And one woman, and I'm going to define that very clearly, a wife, a woman, a woman, a man, a man and a woman, married with or without children or a child. Back in the 1940s, 
that particular definition accounted for roughly 90% of our nation's families. Interesting, huh? One man, one woman, a husband and a wife, and either with children or with no children, but that's the, that's the core of it, 90%. By the year 2000, that percentage dropped to 68%. Wow, wow is right. But guess what? According to the latest census in 2020, it's now officially below 50%. It's at 48%. Think about it. It went from 90% to 48% in our lifetime. Now, certainly Americans have begun to live longer. Many people have elected to remain single, become parents through out of wedlock births, surrogate births and adoptions. Just relativism. Similarly, the rise of gay and lesbian couples established living arrangements, which also changed the family definition and landscape. Again, the Bible says that that's a sin. Divorce has become more common, and remarriage often creates a yours, mine, and ours blended family with innumerable combinations. Nothing wrong with that, but again, it's just changing the dynamics. Adult offspring with personal or financial difficulties return home to live with their parents again. <laughs> yeah. And on the other side of it, grandparents are looking forward to retirement. Sometimes they find themselves raising grandchildren. That changes the dynamics. Also, increasing longevity requires some senior citizens to live with their children or their other family members who could care for them. Yeah. So all these factors contribute to the changing profile of the American family. But family today is different than it was 20 years ago, wasn't it? Isn't it? And it's drastically different from what was 70, 80 years ago. I was watching... Uh, Leave it to Beaver. I'm sorry. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I love that show. It's so innocent. It's so sweet. And there's some good morals to it. But I was looking at that with this message in mind thinking, wow, look at that family. That's just, that was the norm in television programming in the 50s, early 60s, you know. I was like, sure, that's so normal. That was embraced. That was normal. Now we got, you name it. That, that is, that, that's, that's not even existent anymore in television programs. I, I, I would challenge you to, 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 to find a, a normal family on television anymore. You know? The story of the United States. God help us. It's a story that does not yet have an ending. But, and we're still in the midst of this story, of this great experiment of freedom. And yet there's major cracks in our foundation today that can't be ignored much longer. But even with the cracks in our foundation, I say again, there's still hope for our nation. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, its builder in God first in our homes and in our families, in every facet of our families, not just a quadrant of it, but the entire foundation. Men, do you hear me today? Dads, do you hear me today? Moms, do you hear me today? Women, do you hear me today? Parents, do you hear me today? Grandparents, do you hear me today? As it goes for the basic unit of society, the family, so it goes for the whole nation. So, let's just remember our foundation. Let's realize the cracks, admit them, stop ignoring them, and let's restore our nation's and families back to God. We humble ourselves. Lord, only you can do this. We pray earnestly for his mercy, for his forgiveness, 
and seek his direction to rebuild a solid foundation of holiness, righteousness, purity in him. In response, God promises to hear us and forgive us and to heal us. See, each of us in this place, moms, dads, parents, grandparents, single people, children, young people, everybody in this place, everybody listening in the sound of my voice, watching this online, we all bear the responsibility of establishing our households, whatever that household looks like, on the foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. It's that foundation in Jesus Christ that will enable your marriage to endure and to thrive. It's that faith and foundation in Jesus Christ that will enable your children to take hold of the Christian faith for themselves. No longer grandparenting it or parenting it in. That children will say, as for me in my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm not saved because my parents were. I'm saved because I'm saved because I know that I'm saved. Because I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Passing that on is imperative, parents. The foundation in Jesus Christ that's going to show you God's path for your life. That foundation in Jesus Christ is going to give you morals and ethics to navigate in a world where there's no morals and no ethics. It's that faith in Jesus Christ, that foundation in Him that's going to help you decide what things are right and wrong for your family. It's that foundation in your faith in Jesus Christ that will guide you when your family faces problems and decisions. I want to finish this up today by reading a different edited version of the three little pigs. Let's follow up with these guys one more time and see what happens based on this message. Once there was a mother pig who had three little pigs. The pigs left their mother's pen to live out their lives in the best way possible. The first little pig had not gone far when he decided to base his life on the pursuit of happiness. The pig did whatever made him happy. He got credit cards and bought all kinds of designer mud baths. He ate like a pig should and bought everything that had bells and whistles. He did what made him happy. Any little Miss Piggy he came across, he jumped into her pen. He had a few little piglets here and there on the side too, but he didn't really feel responsible for them. He did what he wanted. It made him happy. The first pig drank, smoked, and frolicked. One night he sat in his house full of everything that he thought would make him happy, and along came a wolf. The wolf loved to tempt pigs and create havoc in their lives. He knocked at the door of the little pig's house and called, Little pig, little pig, I have a question. The little pig answered, Well, what is it? The wolf questioned, Are you really happy? The question made the little pig think, for he had based his life on what would make him happy. He had no lasting relationships. The material things were not a lasting happiness. He ended up addicted and sick rather than happy. He felt empty inside. Nothing he had done had made a firm foundation. And then the wolf said, ha, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. And so he huffed and he puffed until he blew the house in and it fell with a great crash and ate up that little pig. The second little pig had not gone far when he decided to base his life on success. He married a Miss Piggy who came from a good family and had some money. They had a few piglets to make her happy and also to make the father-in-law happy. Plus, kids often showed others that you were successful at home. He excelled at his job. When his job required him to be away from home, he did it without a second thought. At times, success meant cheating a little. 
And he did it because it was what would make him successful. A few other Miss Piggies along the way had caught his eye, and they helped him get the successes that he wanted. He got raises, he got promotions, he climbed the barnyard ladder and did whatever was required. He bought the biggest pig pen on the block to show off his success. And then along came a wolf. And the wolf loved to tempt pigs and create havoc in their lives. He knocked at the door of the little pig's house and called out, Little pig, little pig, I have a question. And the little pig answered, Well, what is it? And the wolf questioned, Are you really successful? The question made the little pig think, for he had based his life on what would make him successful. He didn't really know his kids. He had a trophy piglet wife, but there was really nothing there. He had no self-respect or integrity. The material things were not a lasting happiness, and somebody always had a bigger pin. He had ended up successful in business, but a failure in life. He felt empty inside. Nothing he had done had made a firm foundation. And then the wolf said, ha, I'll puff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. And so he huffed and he puffed until he blew the house in and it fell with a great crash and ate up that little pig. The third little pig traveled in his life and wondered, what was the point of life really? I mean, was it fame? Was it fortune? Was it success? Was it happiness? Was it, was it people? What should a little pig build their life on? What should be the foundation? The little pig said to himself, I think... I shall base my life on God and the things he desires. The pig met a Miss Piggy who shared his faith. The pig remained faithful to his wife and had children that he tried to raise with biblical values. He tried to balance family and church and giving and serving and business and politics and all respects of his life with biblical principles. He went to church, but more than that, he read the Bible and tried to actually live out what it taught. And then along came the wolf. And he knocked at the door of the little pig's house and said, little pig, little pig, I have a question. And the little pig answered, well, what is it? The wolf questioned, are you really going to base your life on God? The question made the little pig think, for he had based his life on God. He had a wife who loved him. It was hard, but they were in it for the long haul. He had kids who he raised as best as he could. His finances were a struggle, but God always provided he ran his business with integrity and respect. He was active in his community, which brought him joy. His relationship with Jesus Christ was the foundation of his life. And then the wolf said, ha, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. And so he huffed and he puffed until he blew on the house and beat against that house. And yet it did not fall. <laughs> because it had its foundation on Jesus Christ. The wolf came by often to tempt the pig but never could knock the whole house down because the pig had found that a foundation on God was best. You see, the wolf, Satan, is always out there seeking to steal and kill and destroy, amen? But a foundation built upon Jesus Christ will not be shaken. But you didn't think you'd come here and nursery rhyme at church today. Would you stand with me this morning? Father God, today... We as the body of Christ, we as patriots, United States citizens, thankful for our heritage, for our patriotism here in the United States. We live in the most blessed of all nations in so many ways. And Lord, as we listen to this message and we, we can walk out of here saying, well, that was 
encouraging, that was interesting, that was not for me, that was a multiple, uh, a multiple conclusions that we would be able to gather about this message, depending on who we are. Well, Lord, I, I pray that, in, that the one conclusion would be that we would be in unison with is that we would listen to the prophets and the seers and the Holy Spirit and the teachers and the pastors and the people that are speaking into our lives that we would listen to you, Holy Spirit, through me as I'm speaking this out today, that all of us would heed the warning. Lord, that we wouldn't just kick this can down the road and think, well, that's all good and fine, but there's really not much I can do. And as long as I'm okay with my little world, then I'm not really going to shake and, and stir up anything. But Lord, we know that you're, there's going to be a, an expiration date on this. If we're not careful. Just like there was an expiration date on the children of Israel, that nation that you miraculously birthed. It shouldn't have happened, but it did. Because you birthed it. But yet, as they grew up and turned from you, you turned them away to their own devices. They, they were reaping what they sowed. And God, though, even in your mercy, you brought them back and thank you for that. And you're continuing to do that work and you will continue to do so in your chosen people. But today in this nation where we are, we recognize that the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and all of the, all of the different principles and the laws of this nation were built on the solid foundation of your word, of biblical principles, of Christianity, of, of what you taught, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that. We weren't there for that back then. And we weren't there a hundred years ago. We weren't there when other things started happening that maybe began to develop cracks. But we are here today. You've placed us here today. We're in this generation now for such a time as this and for a particular reason. And that's to intercede for our nation. So, Father, I pray that you give us as we celebrate tomorrow this next birthday of this nation. I pray, God, that you would... Give us also a burden for this nation like we've never had before. That we wouldn't just resign it and, and consider it a lost cause. And that it's going to be eaten up by the wolves and there's nothing we can do about it. No. Lord, your word says that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And whatever the enemy's plans might be, Lord, we know that your plans are for us to prosper and succeed. That's what your word says. The enemy steals, kills, and destroys, but you come that we might have life and have it to the full. Lord, we thank you that this nation is still intact. And it's still, it still can be, needs to be, is in certain ways a shining light on a hill. But Lord, let it be a pure light, a holy light, a righteous light. Lord, we, we pray, God, that you'd give us a burden for this nation. And we pray right now for this nation together. Lord God, that we wouldn't ignore these cracks anymore but as we see them instead of speaking a curse into it instead of our words being a curse to it instead let our words be a healing balm to it uh, 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 let it be a let it be words that, that seal up the cracks let, let it be words that that shore up the foundation let it be words that are that are that are righteous and holy and pure that speaks blessings that that speaks hope that speaks healing over this nation to turn our heart corporately as a nation back to you father we repent 
of our sins, as your word says. But we first stop humble ourselves because we realize that this is much bigger than us as individuals. But it's not bigger than you in us. And your word says that we're one sins a thousand to flight, two sins ten thousand to flight. Meaning that the process of of uh, of us binding together and knitting our hearts together and coming into a place of agreement together with all of us here right now, we can move the hands of. Uh, 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 of the heavenlies we can we can not just shake things up but we can transform things right now so father right now we, we pray in faith and we pray with the authority of jesus christ that it's in us lord god we come into a place of agreement lord god uh, move this nation back to its knees to repentance lord god turn this nation's heart back to you lord god before it's too late Be help us lord god we just in the spiritual begin to seal up these cracks right now oh god pour Pour the, the, the cement of your healing into these cracks and solidify underneath, Lord God, this nation so that it's a solid foundation once more. Father, every plan of the enemy, we speak against it in Jesus' name, that it would be confused and thwarted in Jesus' name. And let your plans and purposes be accomplished in this nation. We pray for our president. We pray for the senators. We pray for the House of Representatives. We pray for the governors. We pray, Lord God, for the state representatives as well. We, we pray, Lord God, for our principals and for those that are over the education of our of our children we pray lord god for the judges we pray lord god for the supreme court and for all the rest of the courts and the judges underneath them we pray lord god for the leaders of this nation god turn their hearts to you oh god let them make righteous decisions let them be brave men and women of god that would stand up and say as for me and my house this may not be the the politically correct thing to say but as for me and my house we're going to serve the lord let them declare your righteousness once more in this nation and let them lead us lord god into those places of righteousness in your word i pray oh god we we, we stand in the gap for this nation today God, we pray for your healing. We repent. We can't do this on our own, but you can. Oh, God, please do it. Give us a burden for this nation like we've never had it before. It's not a foregone conclusion that this nation must collapse, that this nation must continue in the direction that it's going, that this nation would be no more. If my people, which are called by my name, Lord, we're the salt, we're the light, we're the ones that can make the difference. And we do that today, starting today, for our nation. And Lord, I pray for our families here as well. Because as it goes with the nation, so as it goes with the family and vice versa. Lord, for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every grandparent, every, every person responsible for children, every person responsible for some sort of relationship in this place today. God, help us to be the man of God that you called us to be. Holy, righteous, pure. Help us to be the woman of God that you called us to be. Holy, righteous, pure. Help us to be the, the young person that you called us to be. Holy, righteous, pure. Lord God, I pray for the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's of this generation to rise up and let us have the vast majority of them right here in this church. Lord, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter who else is bowing their knees to the things of this world we will not bow except our knee to you and we will not confess except our tongue to you that you are king of kings and lord of lords as for me and my house we will serve the lord i pray lord god that you raise up godly men righteous men holy men of god in this church that would stop compromising
Lord God, that you'd raise up women in this church. Lord God, those that are the prodigal men, the prodigal women, the prodigal sons and daughters, we pray, Lord God, that you'd open up their blind eyes, release the shackles from them, loose them from their chains, Lord God, and deliver them and bring them back home, I pray. God, you know who I'm talking about. God, stir our hearts, open our eyes, release the prisoners, and rescue, I pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Church, pray. Pray in the Spirit. Pray with understanding right now. There's a move of God in this place. He needs you to cry. And if you've got a prayer language, begin to pray right now. Because the, the heavenlies are opening up. Holy Spirit of God, do your work. We dispatch you right now. Come on, church, pray. Out loud. Pray out loud. Come on, if you're praying, church, pray now. I know you're praying, church. Pray out loud. We dispatch you, Holy Spirit. We dispatch you to the White House, to the Governor's House, to the courthouses. We dispatch you right now to the schoolhouses. We dispatch you, dispatch you right now to our homes, to our private homes. We dispatch you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, go right now and do the work. 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 Overcome. Defeat the enemy. Oh God, right, let, let holiness rise up in this nation. Let it begin to bubble forth. We thank you for the down payment a week and a half ago with the, with the decision with the Supreme Court. Lord, the fight has just begun. The battle hasn't, hasn't stopped. Lord God, we pray that this would be a ripple effect in a good way. And let it be, Lord God, that we would stand up as a nation, stand up as men and women of God, as families, and shine the light and be the salt. Oh God, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're doing a work right now. We don't see it, but we know it's happening because we're praying in the Spirit and we're dispatching the warring angels and the ministering angels angels and those that are releasing those from bondage right now god we just thank you we pray in hope we pray in faith faith is the substance of things hoped for it's the evidence of things not seen we pray in faith right now come on church pray pray right now there's strongholds that are being broken right now don't stop don't stop don't stop pray pray in the spirit pray with understanding pray right now spiritual warfare is taking place step in to the gap right now step into the warfare we are on the winning side God, you're going before us. You're fighting the battles for us. Oh, God, but you've called us to be part of this by praying and declaring some things. And so we do that now. We pray in faith. We pray, Lord God, that you're doing the work that needs to be done. We're praying, Holy Spirit, that you're doing the work that needs to be done. Oh, shut up, in this city, in this county, in this state, in this region, in this nation, in this world. Right now, Lord God, the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous person is availing much right now in the heavenlies. Things are being shaken. Things are moving. Things are, are, are the, the demons, things are being cast down and you're being raised up, Lord God. Blind eyes are being opened in the spirit right now. Chains are falling off right now in the spirit, in the spirit realm. Uh, bondages are being released right now. The, the talons of the enemy are, 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 are being released from, from the minds of our sons and daughters, of our husbands and wives, of our leaders in this nation. We thank you, Lord God. Let the blind eyes be open spiritually. Let the deaf ears be open right now spiritually. Let us walk in the clarity of what your word says, in the light of your word, Lord God. We thank you. That this is being accomplished right now in Jesus' name. Pray, church. Pray, church. Pray, church. Pray. 
Don't stop praying. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. As we wrap up this prayer here in just a little bit, that doesn't mean we stop praying, church. But we pray in the Spirit. Pray with understanding. Pray without ceasing. Pray at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Part of that praise is prayer. Part of that praise is acknowledging that I'm humbling myself towards you because I can't do this. But you can and you will. God, bind us together. Knit our prayers together. And let there be mighty strongholds be obliterated right now. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Help us to see right now. Give us some spiritual eyes to see what's going on. And that'll give us the, uh, that'll give us the, uh, the enthusiasm, the, the, the energy, the, the, the hope to move on with this. And to stop, and to not stop, Lord God, but that we'll continue to press in, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, help us to pray, to pray, to pray, to pray, to grab hold of the horns of the altar and not let go until you answer. God, we repent of our sins as a nation. Mm -hmm. We're not perfect, Lord God, but help us to have a heart that leans towards you. Lord, let this nation that is turned away from you turn back to you. Let us, in, let us lean into you, Lord God, as a nation, starting today, before it's too late. Jesus, help us to lean into you. Help us to, to go after you. Help us to build our foundation again with you. We thank you for the good foundation, the solid foundation upon which this nation was built. But God, heal the cracks, restore it. Let us be part of that. Whatever that looks like, we're going to do it. Even if it's just on our knees in prayer, that's the most important thing we can do. It's not just prayer. It's prayer with a capital P-R-A-Y exclamation point. Nothing's going to happen in the physical realm, we know, Jesus, unless it begins in the spiritual. And so right now, we are causing things to happen in the spiritual. And we're praying in your will. We're praying according to your word. And we're praying as your spirit is leading us. And so with that, we know that that's your heart. Your heart is to heal. Your heart is to restore. Your heart is to deliver. Your heart is to rescue. Your heart is to save. Do that, Lord, whatever that looks like, and not just out there, but in our lives, Lord God, in our families, under our roof, with our households. Let it begin there. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. If my people, that's where it starts, we humble ourselves today. Your people, we are your people. We humble ourselves, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, help us to be a, a, a people of prayer like we've never been before. For our families, for our nation. We contend for this nation. We contend for our families in the name of Jesus. With your power, with your authority, the name of Jesus upon which every knee will bow, every tongue confess. That's the name that we stand upon. That's the name we declare today. And that's the name that is going to make the difference. Jesus, there's power in your name. And we speak the name of Jesus over our husbands, over our wives, over our children, over our nation. God, turn our hearts back to you.
Jesus, do your work. Holy Spirit, cover this nation right now like a big warm blanket. A shower over this nation like, like a beautiful, refreshing shower. Uh, cover this nation like, like warm oil. Or, or just saturate every crack and every crevice, Lord God. And bring us back, Lord God, to you. Let us hear stories. Let us read articles. Let, it, let, us, let us even get phone calls and, 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 and social media responses. Some way, somehow that we see something's happening here. Why not here in Rock Hill Faith Assembly? Why not now? Lord, you're no respecter of persons. We're your people. We're doing what your word says. And now you're going to do your part. You said you will heal our land. You will forgive us. You will restore us. So that's what we're doing. We're doing our part. We ask you to do your part, Lord God. Do your part, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray today, right now, help each one from the sound of my voice to stop getting used to the cracks. Holy Spirit, show us where they are. And then we invite you to come in and fill those cracks. Fill them all up. Reinforce our foundation once more and we help us to repent, Lord God. I pray for each one in this place that we would repent of our sins, turn from our wicked ways as we humble ourselves before you. I pray for each man, each woman, each boy, each girl in this place. Help us to make a personal decision right now. A personal decision to allow you to heal our foundations. It started off strong some time ago. We've allowed the cracks to get in. We've gotten used to it. No more. No more are we going to get used to it. We invite you, inspector, holy inspector, to come in and do the building inspection that needs to take place and give us the courage to say, yes, that's a crack. I've gotten used to it. Come and fill it. I give it to you. Thank you, Lord. Open our eyes to see the cracks. Open our hearts to receive your healing. Give us the humility to trust in you that you've got our best interest at heart. And then, Lord God, let these families that are represented here. Let the individuals that are here today, everybody within the sound of my voice, God, turn to you with holiness, righteousness, and purity. Lord God, let the words of our mouth and the, let the, let the words of our mouth and the, and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight from this moment on. Holy Spirit, fill us. Would you just invite the Holy Spirit right now to fill you? Just refill you, refresh you. You need to be re, re, refilled right now. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can't do this on your own. Ask the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to come in right now and, and fill and refresh and renew right now. The Holy Spirit's doing that for those that are open up. Open up the door, open up your heart and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come and fill me right now. I'm part, if you're an American, if you're a patriot, if you're part of this nation, then you're part of the, either the part of the problem or part of the solution. So be part of the solution and say, hey, well, my family's all grown up. I don't have any kids. I'm not even married. You're part of the solution or you're part of the problem. Be part of the solution today. Open up your heart and say, Lord, I'm going to pray for this nation. I'm going to pray for my future wife or husband. I'm going to pray for my grandchildren. I'm going to pray for, my, uh, 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 I'm going to just pray as you lead me, Holy Spirit. For, 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 for your holiness and righteousness and purity to, to, to once more be the foundation of this nation godly principles and the biblical foundations come on let's all be part of that Lord I pray that as we leave this place today that you would burden us in such a way where you're going to wake us up in the middle of the night it's the first thing we think about when we wake up it, 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 we can't escape it through the day Holy Spirit nag us annoy us oh alarm us to this don't leave us, Lord God. 
Don't let us tune out your voice. Let it be a voice that we cannot escape. And when we hear it, let us stop and pray. As we're driving, let us pray. As we're, as we're going about our day, let us pray in the Spirit and pray with understanding for our families, for this nation. Lord, this is just a launching pad. This is just the beginning. This is the first salvo of the attack that we're putting on the enemy. But this is not the only. Yeah, the battle belongs to you. And wars are won by many battles. And this is one battle, but there's many more to come. Help us, Lord God, to battle in the spirit as the spirit leads. And then we're going to watch as you do your work. And then we're going to give you the glory for it because we're humbling ourselves. It's not because we prayed. It's simply because we've obeyed your word and your instruction and then you've done it. That's part of the humility, folks. Oh, don't be saying, hey, I prayed, so look what happened. No, 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 no. Look what God did. Don't ever point the reflection back on you. The spotlight always belongs on him. Always. We can't handle it. It's called pride. Humble yourself before the Lord. Pray and then let God do what he's going to do in and through you. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you give God praise one more time in this place? Yeah. Amen. Uh, just, there's this word that just keeps rolling in my spirit. We need to contend. You know what contend means? You're fighting. We're not sitting back and just kind of letting it happen. Contend. It's a pressing in. It's an intentionality. Contend for your wife, for your, uh, for your husband, for your children, for this nation. Contend for your families. Contend. There's some work that's involved with that. But it's work in the spiritual realm. Amen? Yeah. This is a whole lot better than fireworks display tomorrow night. I'll tell you what. Amen? God, God, God's doing some awesome stuff here. Amen. Amen. Amen.